Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Project Egg Show, where we interview entrepreneurs to help you build a business and create your dream life. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Tyler Wagner from Philadelphia. How you doing today, Tyler? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you so much for coming on the show. So let's jump right in. No procrastinating this morning. First question <laughs> for you is, what is your story? What is my story? I like that. Starting deep. Um, so I'd say my story is, all right, this might be a little long, but let's just go with it. So from being, ever since I was a little kid, it's interesting. I feel like in life, if you can achieve this, what happens is you are yourself when you're a kid and then culture, society comes, comes on to you and then you become not yourself. And then if you can, the, I think what success is, is becoming yourself again. So I feel like I've been able to achieve that. But what I had to do before getting there is I had to go to college at University of South Carolina. I had to major in accounting to realize that I hated accounting. And then I had to drop out of school, write a book, and start my own company helping other people write books um, to really realize why I'm here. And I am just a freaking ball of energy, natural extrovert. If you try to lock me in a room and tell me to do accounting or calculus, I'll go crazy, can't do it. So hence why what I do is two main things. I run a company called Authors Unite where I help people uh, write, publish, and launch their books. So that's been for six years now. And then I do podcasts. I actually interview like 30 new people every week. And it's because I just love connecting with people. And I love having like an internet-based business where I can travel anywhere whenever I want. And I just feel like I'm actually myself again. So I think my story, all that being said, is like I had to do things, I had to test a lot of things out, like majoring in accounting, to realize what I wasn't, to become who I actually am, which is still that six-year-old kid that just likes to talk to people, you know? So I'd say that's my story as of now, as a 27-year-old. I still got a lot of time, but that's where I'm at now. Let's jump back into your childhood, if you don't mind getting a very yeah. personal in the interview. <laughs> yeah, let's go, man. So what sort of family did you grow up in? What, what was your household like? What were your parents like? What did they do? Maybe you could really drill down and tell us about that. Yeah, so great. I'm very fortunate. Great family. Um, family environment. Um, parents, absolutely in love. I think they're on like... 25, 30 years of marriage, uh, at this point, something like that. Um, excuse me. And, uh, but my dad is an accountant so that, you know, there, there's the connection there, um, is an accountant. He works for Johnson and Johnson does very well, but I wouldn't necessarily say he loves, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say like he wakes up and is like, I can't wait to go do accounting. You know what I mean? Um, I wouldn't say that, but he does, he did what he had to do to support and help raise a family. So, um, I saw that and I think, you know, and I don't know the like science on this, but from what I understand, I think a lot of how our childhood was really does affect our adulthood like dramatically. 
And because uh, a lot of people that I've met, they tell me they're like, you know, one of the reasons you're happy all the time, you're so outgoing and energizing is a is a direct correlation to I really did have an amazing um, upbringing. Like my parents really didn't fight like, you know, they had their fights here and there. But overall, I can't complain. It was an awesome upbringing. When you were at the dinner table mm-hmm. and y'all were having discussions about about things what were the sort of topics that were discussed? And and I'm really interested mm. from the perspective of, obviously you're an entrepreneur now, right? Mm. And, and you're successful. It it seems like, and maybe we've missed it so far, and we, we just started, so, so we'll definitely yeah. uh, try to get to it, but it seems like your parents weren't really that entrepreneurial. Like there, so was there a lot of, discussion about entrepreneurship or discussion about business or what was really discussed around the table? That's a good question. So I'd say they are kind a little bit entrepreneurial. Like my mom actually, uh, when I was very young, um, she actually had a like home cleaning business. So I would like go to her with all like while she would work And this one, I was like before like six years old. Um, so she had her own like little small business and, and then my dad also, you know, he does do, um, taxes, right? So he does do taxes for, um, some other individuals, um, as well, like outside of, of the company. And so there's definitely that little entrepreneurial spark. And I think what it was is it's, again, it's like almost like seeing what you don't want helps you really see clearly what you do want. So although my dad has had financial success with his big corporation, that I remember being younger and him kind of telling me like, if you really want to choose your life, if you really want to choose what you do, you can't have a boss. You just can't because at the end of the day, if you do have a boss and there's nothing against having a boss, I'm not saying that like if you, you know, if you work for a company that you love and you love your boss, God bless you. That's awesome. But in a lot of cases, people are just working for the paycheck and they don't love their boss. They don't love what they're doing. So I kind of just realized that growing up being in that environment that like, if I wanted to truly do what I want to do at all times, I had to figure it out on my own and create something of my own. So yeah, I mean, I think that was brought up at the dinner table. Like we definitely, my mom is a great cook. She made dinner every single night. So we would sit around the table and talk about like, how was, how was work dad? You know, how was your day? And there would be some things he didn't like. And that like triggered in my memory, like, okay, I'm not associating his work with happiness. How do I create work that also makes me happy? You know, and I didn't think a big corporation was the way. Let's move into your younger, your younger years, a little bit older than maybe under five. Let's talk about school. Yeah. What was your experience like? during your grade school and, and maybe take us through high school. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll tell you school. Actually, I, it's funny. I actually loved school. Not for, I don't feel like I learned much to be completely transparent. Like I actually had great grades. School was like pretty easy to me. Um, but it was the actual teaching was very boring and I felt very irrelevant. Uh, and again, it's because my, my belief is it's like, at a young age, people saw me, I was just that outgoing person. So let me, I'll tell you my experience. I was very outgoing, very popular kid, jock, basketball, football, and I did uh, soccer as well and, and track. Like I was 
just always going. So like the thing is, is these things were noticed. They, everybody knew about them that knew me. And then and it's like, because I did because I sucked at calculus, what they would do is be like, he needs to get better at calculus. And that's like the wrong answer. What they should have done when I was in, when I was like six years old and I was making everybody laugh in school, same thing in middle school and high school. I've always just been that person in the class that was raising my hand, making some funny remark and just making everybody laugh. They should have been like, okay, this kid's not going to be an accountant. This kid's not going to be a calculus, whatever the heck that person does as a living. He's not going to do that. What he's probably going to do is either like a comedian or he's going to do something involving people. Um, so that, that was really, my childhood was just like a a lot of partying, (laughs) a lot of sports and a lot of hanging out with friends is, is really what it came down to. Not much schoolwork, just taking the tests and like skating by, I'd say. You were talking about how there was this recurring theme of you making everybody laugh and raising your hand and being really extroverted are there any memories that really stick out to you of when you said something and everybody just erupted in laughter or there was just something that you did that everybody found really funny? Like what are those things that really stick out to you? Um, okay. So, (laughs) I mean, there's, okay. At parties, it was always, I, I mean, so this is going like, you know, whatever. So when we would drink and like go to parties, this is underage. So sorry, <laughs> but it just is. Um, I was always, I was kind of, I, I'd call myself, I was kind of a tool, tool bag, I'd say back, back in the day. So I was always that one to like take my shirt off, dance on the table and do things like that. It is what it is. I was like 14, 16 years old. But as far as like school related things, it was really just like, it was always asking experiential questions and they, they would come off kind of funny and maybe snooty, but like everybody thought that they were funny. Like I'd always want to ask the teacher, I'd always do this like first day of of every class is I would raise my hand and I would ask them like, Hey, so you're teaching geometry. So can you tell us your experience with geometry? Not what you read in the book. Like, cause you know, we all know you read a geometry textbook. That's one of the reasons you're here, but I want to know in your life, tell me about your geometrical experiences. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I want to know your real life geometry stuff. And a lot of teachers were very unable to answer questions like that. You know what I mean? Because it's like, and I think that's a flaw in the system, but I always like to point it out because I thought it was funny. It's like, okay, you're a calculus teacher because you know how to regurgitate the calculus textbook, but you don't actually have experience in doing a lot of what a calculus like genius actually would do, which I don't know what that is, but you know, you know what I mean? So I just liked poking fun at the teachers because I thought it made the room equalized instead of like talk down to us. I'd rather it be an equal conversation and we can all learn. That is an extremely interesting uh, thing that happened. And, and the fact that you would ask that to all the teachers, I mean, that's a great question to, to yeah. ask. Because, it, like you said, it totally levels the playing field to where they have to almost prove themselves to the, to the students at that point. I think it's a brilliant question. Mm. Where did that inspiration for that question come from? I mean, do you think that was tied back to when you were at the dinner table and it seems like you were definitely treated with a lot of respect in your household. So, Oh yeah. So there was, you know, it seems like there was a lot of being treated as equals 
there, do you think that was maybe responsible for where this question came from? And if not, where do you think it did come from? I'd say, yeah, at, at that point in my life, it definitely came from that. Like my, so my dad worked like all the time. He definitely still, you know, big part in who I am today, very big. But my mom was the one who raised me and my little brother. Like my mom, after those first years when I was younger, she was a stay at home mom. Um, after my dad like worked his way up the corporate ladder. So like my mom just always taught me like no matter who the person is, like you gotta be nice to everybody and you can learn something from everyone. So I never looked at teachers as being above me, which is kind of the reason like I, I got suspended multiple times. So, and we can, you know, all those stories are pretty funny, but like, I just always looked at teachers as an equal and a lot of students didn't, they were like afraid of their teachers. And I think it was because the way I was raised, I was never afraid. In fact, I was just trying to be their friend. You know, I was like everybody's friend in school. It didn't matter if you were popular or not popular. Everybody hated you. In fact, if everybody hated you, that made me even more curious as to like, what are you doing that is so bad? Nobody liked you, you know? And then that would actually draw me to want to go to you and like be like, yo, man, what's going on? What's the problem, though? <laughs> you know? And like, so I was just that guy that was everybody's equal to me still to this day, even the homeless guy on the street, you can learn something from anybody. Everybody's got a story and I find it fascinating to learn people's stories and to just view everybody as equal. We, we all don't know, every, you know, we all have a thing behind the curtain, you know? So you gotta be, be good to everybody because you don't know what's going on sometimes. That is an awesome concept. And what it made me think of was two particular situations in which that would be the very helpful to embrace that mindset and I'd like to share with you those two things that that came up to my mind and then maybe you could expand on how you would suggest getting yeah. into that mindset a little bit more the first is if you are a guy or a gal and you fancy another guy or a gal whatever mm -hmm. whatever you know not commenting on, on that at all, but <laughs> you, you fancy another individual, you're a little shy, you're a little intimidated, going to approach them, right? Yeah. That might very, very much help there. The second would be in business, right? If you mm -hmm. are just starting out and you have an idea, you have you know, a small team or it's just you, you want to go and do business with somebody and you know somebody who's the head of a major corporation or or a massive business going to approach them can be very intimidating right so in those mm -hmm. two situations it seems like viewing another person as a as an equal would be extraordinarily helpful so what are your yeah. thoughts on that and how do you truly embrace that mindset yeah. So, okay. So let's start with the like romantic partner type thing. <laughs> um, so for me, like, uh, and I'd say even, especially when I was younger, like I work a lot now. So I, I do, I don't really do the whole, like go out and like pick up girls at the bar type thing. Um, but when I was younger, middle school, high school, I mean, I think this is true for a lot of guys. I think the only thing I actually thought of was girls. Like that was like the only thing going in my head. Um, and like, I think it was always like, 
just coming down to like a win-win situation. You know what I mean? And so I would just go up to girls and just tell them like, I think you're like really, really pretty, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like something like that. And it's like, it's always a little goofy. It's a little weird at first. And then, but if they think the same of you and obviously it goes way deeper than looks, but when you're like 14 years old, you know, we're not that developed. So it's like, that's kind of what it was about at that time. Um, it's just, it's, it's really as simple as that. I think a lot of us, like we, we overthink this thing. It's just like, you know, a lot of times we're in a relationship for selfish reasons, right? Like it, and, and we actually make ourselves think it's because we like, we love the other person, which is true, but we actually also love the way that person makes us feel. So it's kind of a selfish thing as well. So at the end of the day, it's, I just think it's simple. If you see a girl and you think she's attractive or if you, if you've been hanging out with a girl for a while and you think she's really cool, whatever it might be, and you want to be in a relationship with her, just ask, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, dude, she probably maybe should say no, that's okay. Cause there's like, I don't know what, 4 billion women on the planet. So that's fine. Um, and I just think it comes down to that. Now, when it comes to business, I think a lot of people are afraid of like sales calls. A lot of people are afraid to ask for business. A lot of people are afraid to even just engage somebody to ask them be on their podcast. So like, I think that's a lot of people's problems as to why they're failing in business. And like, I just, I have like, if, I, if anything, I have the opposite problem. Like I ask too many people to be on the podcast. I ask too many people to be in my, uh, programs and things like that. But that is also why I am where I am today because like I'm willing to ask. And the thing is too, and I just want to emphasize on this, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. So at the end of the day, if you build a relationship with someone, so I, I have a book business, that's my main business. If I build a relationship with them and I'm not trying to sell them anything, just building an honest, authentic relationship. And then six months down the road, they know what I do because we're friends now and they want to write a book. Do you think that they're going to do business with somebody that they don't know or somebody that they friends with for six months? So I think like if you can, and I know you got to make ends meet and stuff like that. So I understand you got to pay the bills and all that. But if you can get to a point where like money, you can get your money correct, like money's good, then you can focus on a higher level of things, which is just building relationships with other people. And then you just create this massive amount of relationships. And now for me, I'm at a point where every day people that I interviewed a year ago are just reaching out to me and like, yo, dude, I remember when we did our interview, we're like, you know, we've been in touch here and there. I'm interested in writing a book. You're the guy I know that does that. Let's talk about it, you know? So then it's not transactional. It's long-term, long-term thinking. That. It's an amazing answer, and I appreciate you sharing all that stuff. It definitely makes me think about something that I'm obsessed with, right? And usually I ask mm. about this later because I like to get everybody's opinion on it, but it's very relevant to right, to right now, right? One mm. of the keys to this show and in Project Egg, you know, Egg stands for Entrepreneurs Gathering for Growth, right? So coming together. One of the key values the foundational pieces of this whole thing is connection human connection mm -hmm. legitimate human connection 
between you and I as guest and host, as friend to friend, you and the audience, you know, as guest to audience, being the audience, as host to the audience, the audience members to each other. It's all about connect, right, connection, human connection in, in my mm-hmm. opinion. So what is your philosophy on building true and truly meaningful and very deep and very human connections with another person? Mm, okay. I like that. Um, so two things are popping up. One is like one. So the natural, the natural way of doing that is really having no thoughts whatsoever, no strategy, no plan or anything, just being fully present in the now with the other individual and engaging in a conversation and just like having fun with whatever that is, you know, like, I think that's like the, the, the real answer. Now, if you're talking kind of like, like in a business sense, I think it just comes down to like Gary Vaynerchuk is a guy that I follow very closely. And he says like every relationship that he's in, he, his, his kind of goal in a sense is always to be 51, 49. And what he means by that or more, what he means by that is he, in every relationship he's in, he's always delivering more value. And this, I don't want this to come off like it's in a bad way. It's just like what he does is he just over delivers to every relationship so it's at a point where it's like he's over delivered for a whole year. And then when he wants to launch a book, you know, his one book a year or whatever, it's very simple for all those people to just go and purchase his book and share it with their network because he's over delivered. So I think in a business, an authentic business relationship, what you should really do is just like find like, what does this person want in business? And can I help provide that? And uh, whether it's in a paid way or a free way, doesn't really matter. Just make sure you're solving their problems and over delivering. Cause if you have that leverage, that 5149, then typically if you then ask that person for something that you need in the future, they, they will most likely say yes. And if they say no, that would be kind of strange. You know what I mean? So like, I just think it's over delivering on everything with every connection that you have. One of the things that you spoke about a little bit earlier was in a business sense, it makes sense to go out and build relationships with, with other people, right? Mm-hmm. But for a lot of people, especially when you're just starting out, it's hard to make contact with somebody who's at the top of their game, somebody who's extremely busy, somebody who is running multi-million dollar business. They just, they don't have a lot of time and they have plenty of time, but they don't have the connections. How does somebody go about building a relationship with those top players in the space when they're just starting out? That's a good question. So I have a lot of, I'm going to try to formulate this. So one thing, when I actually was, when I was 20 years old and I decided to drop out and write my first book, it's called Conference Crushing. It's about how to network at events. And that book, the reason I actually wrote it is because what I, I did, I decided to drop out, is I started reaching out to all these conference coordinators and asking them if I could help them to put help them with anything with their event in exchange for allowing me to come to it for free. These are like $5,000, $10,000 events. Like, so this is, so the first one I reach out to is this guy, Jason Gaynard, who runs this conference called mastermind talks. And 
he was the first one to reach out to and he responds immediately. And then me and him talk, become good friends. And he says, yes, he says, yeah. And like literally Tim Ferriss is like the keynote speaker at that event. So I'm like 20 years old, just read the four hour work week. And then six months later, I'm literally like at the dinner table with Tim Ferriss. Like it was like not real. It was like strange. So that was, let's say that's lucky, right? But at the end of the day, one thing you got to realize is that it feels good to give. And going back to that love thing, yes, you do love the other person, but you also love the way the other person makes you feel. So when people give like a mentor to mentee, the mentee is not the only one getting something out of that relationship. The mentor also feels really good to give back. Like when somebody asks me like about a book or how to do a podcast or anything that I feel like I'm an expert in, if they ask me and I help them, I also selfishly am doing it to feel good. So like you have to realize that the mentor is also getting something out of that transaction. And if you can realize that, then maybe that will help you ask for things that you want easier and not feel like you're taking away from them. Like, oh, they're a millionaire, so they must be, must be busier than me and they, um, and, and they won't want to help me or anything. Actually, them helping you is a good feeling, so it's actually helping them too. So that's just like a mindset shift, hopefully. And the other thing I'd say is like, you know, I had Gary Vaynerchuk on my podcast. And the way that I got that is I interviewed a woman and then she tweeted at him after I interviewed her and, th and then at Gary and was like, hey, you should be on this guy's podcast. It's only like five minutes, something like that. And he tweeted back like seconds later and was like, fine. And then I followed up and booked it. Now, again, maybe you say luck. Fair enough. But at the end of the day, it was a tweet. So if you go after, if you want to meet somebody bad enough, you can do it. Like it can happen. You can find their email. You can tweet at them. You can Facebook message them. You can LinkedIn message them. You can go bananas with this stuff. You know what I mean? And I think people just give up too soon or they just, their mindset is too limited. They think it's not possible. So if you want to get a hold of somebody who's really big, who's really busy, I'd recommend tweeting at them, like providing value to them, emailing them. And eventually you're going to get through and you'll get an answer whether it's yes or no. So just think go the extra mile, you know? You've been dropping a ton of value bombs this, this entire interview. And we got a little bit off of, off of your history, so I want to circle back there. But before we do, mm. everybody who's listening, the things that Tyler's been saying thus far have been incredibly valuable. And not only that, but there have been layers of value that have kind of been stacked on top of each other. So I'd highly encourage you to actually go back and listen to this a couple mm. times to really pick apart those different really key points. So again, go and listen through a couple times. So Tyler, let's now jump into college, right? Yeah. How did you pick the college that you picked? I believe you said University of Southern uh, Carolina or South Carolina. Yeah, South Carolina. Um, how did you pick that and what was your experience like in that uh, part of your journey? Yeah, so <laughs> the, I picked it because um, it had palm trees and it was warm. That, that is literally why I picked it. Um, and yeah, my major was accounting 
And my experience really was um, very similar to like high school, actually. Like it was like a lot of a lot of partying. Um, so, yeah, a lot of drinking and just a lot of um, my mind was very foggy. Didn't know what I really wanted. Hence, you know, majoring in accounting. So what it was is it was kind of like a balance of just like letting loose, you know, having fun at college that like typical, you know, American pie, like type of like experience, you know? So it was that, but then also like realizing like, dude, you got to figure your stuff out soon. So I started, I joined a business fraternity, um, which helped me realize even more, uh, that I didn't want to be in America. <laughs> um, and then I, um, I, yeah, it was, it was, I'd say it was a lot of fun, but it was just like, again, I just realized that like these classes weren't teaching me anything that I cared to know. And I, and again, I felt like what the value I was getting out of this was the relationships, not the content. So I had paid for the classes, but they were giving me no value, but the people I met those were the people that helped me to realize that I needed to drop out and start my own thing. So if I had never gone, I don't know if I'd be where I'm at. You know what I mean? Because you need that like negative to reflect your positive. Like you need that, I think. So um, yeah, it was fun. And it was um, something I realized that after two years, I was going to step out and start my own thing. When you were thinking about stepping out and I believe you said you dropped out at about 20 years old to write your first book mm -hmm. what was that thought process right before you took that leap and what happened right after you did yeah so well I was scared so it's interesting it like now when I think back I'm like what was I even scared about um, like I, I'm really not sure, but at the time it was huge, you know, cause I say I, uh, I live down in Miami now, but I'm originally from Philadelphia area, like suburbs. So it's actually like an hour North of Philadelphia and small town. And like, you know, when I dropped out, everyone knew about it in my town, you know? So like, I think it was like a social pressure where like, I was like scared where I was like, if I don't make this work, people are going to think I'm a failure. And then I'm going to have to go back to school and then I'm going to be behind all my friends. So I think that is what I was actually scared of, which in reality, side note is completely stupid to be scared of what other people think like that. That is a pure recipe for like failure. Like you can't be, you can't make decisions based off of what other people think that, that that would be not good. So either way, that's a side note. So like that was what I was, um, that I was just scared, honestly, just scared. And then right after I dropped out, um, you know, I wrote the book. I actually, I, I kind of left this part out. I actually moved into an entrepreneur house in Iowa randomly. Um, so I lived in Iowa for six months with six other guys. So seven of, seven of us in this like big ass, I don't know if I, sorry if I can curse, big house. Um, and uh, <laughs> and uh, seven entrepreneurs. And we were all working on the same type of like starting our own thing. And especially in the beginning, I think that was essential for me to have that accountability because when you're first starting out, you don't have any momentum. So having accountability with those other six guys in the house was essential and still even having accountability today helps. But I do think there's something to be said once you have momentum like it's hard to go back. Like now I have momentum. So it's like, 
I am not going to slow down, you know, like things are already working. So, I'm, but in the beginning, it's hard because you don't know if it's going to work. Um, so yeah, that's what I'd say. Like I was just, I was scared to drop out after I dropped out. Having the support of those other individuals really helped me get through, finish my book and then grow the company. How did you decide exactly what you wanted to write your book on and mm -hmm. What was that process like of writing the book? So, so yeah, that's when, when I first dropped out is when I started to become myself again. So I was like, you know, what do I know best? And I'm like, I think I know a, a lot better than others or like naturally I build relationships, um, a lot easier than others do. So I was like, I'm going to all these events, right? So I, I, by the way, after I reached out to that first one, I got in for free. I reached out to about a hundred more. Like I got into so many conferences for free using that like technique. Um, it was unbelievable. So if you're like a college kid, leverage that. Or if you're a broke dropout that wants to be an entrepreneur, email conference coordinators. They want to help you and you'll get into high level events for free. It's freaking awesome. Um, once you're a little older, it doesn't really work. You know what I mean? <laughs> like once you're like, I'm 27 now, but like once you're like 30, people are like, nah, dude, just like pay the fee, you know? So like it only works in like low twenties or teens. Um, so either way, like I, um, now I lost, what was the question? So the question was oh, the, uh, the book, what I, how I decided. So like, I knew I was really good at that. I knew a lot of others uh, were not that good at it. So I saw a pain in the marketplace um, that a lot of people weren't good at this. So then I was like, let me put together a book of how I go about conferences. What do I do before, during, and after events um, to maximize my uh, time there? So, so that's what I did. And um, I really enjoyed it. And it was something that it was truly me. You know what I mean? And that felt really good. So that, that's why I, I chose it. And then, and the kind of the reason was so that I could speak at conferences. That's why I actually wrote the book so that I could use it as a tool to speak out of events. And then what happened a lot quicker is people started reaching out to me, asking me how to write a book. So that, that kind of blew up way quicker than my speaking career. So I just followed that path. That's awesome. That is amazing. Um, and I love how you talked about writing from a place of experience and not mm -hmm. going and pretending something happened and, you know, trying to, trying to display something that, that wasn't truthful is totally from your own experience. So for the people who are listening that are in that sweet spot, right? Teens, low twenties. What exactly did you say? Like, did you have a script yeah. that you sent out to, to these conference people? <laughs> like, can you please share that script? Because I think that'd be incredibly valuable for those listening. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I, I think, um, so I, I'm going to give you my best shot as to what it is. So I'll give you like an outline. I think the actual one might be in the book or I might be able to go back and look at my emails as to what it actually was exactly. But what I did, the summary is I just leveraged the fact that I was a broke college dropout that was an aspiring entrepreneur. So when I reached out to that first guy, Jason, I said something along the lines, his event was $5,000. 
And so I went to his page. His event was $5,000. And at the bottom, it said, um, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me here. And it was his email address. So I reached out to him and I'm like, hey, I'm a broke college dropout. Uh, I'm an aspiring entrepreneur. I saw that Tim Ferriss is like speaking at your event. I just read his book. And like, I really want to like learn from you and I really want to come to your, your event, but I am like, I have negative money. I had like $80,000 in debt. So I'm like, I have like negative money. I'm, I'm less than broke. <laughs> so like I, it was something like that. Obviously it was worded way better than this, but it was something like that. And I was like, is there anything I can do for you? Is there anything I can do to help you with the event in exchange for you allowing me to come uh, to the event? question mark, hope to hear from you, Tyler, something like that. And the thing is, is it was a really authentic reach out. Like it was real. I, I didn't, there was no tactic really. It was just like, I told him the truth, 80 grand in debt, broke college dropout. I do want to be an entrepreneur and I have no clue what I'm doing. And I, I do want to come to your event. I'm reaching out for selfish reasons, but in exchange, I, I will, I'm willing to work for you for free. You know, so he responded like immediately and then we hopped on the Skype call and we just clicked and I actually helped them get sponsorships for the event. Like I, I helped them for a good six months of work. Like he definitely got a lot of labor out of me. You know what I mean? Like for sure. Um, but it was, and then he flew me out and put me in a hotel and I went to the event and then I actually worked for him another six months even after that. Um, and we, he became like a true mentor to me. So that's, sorry to ramble on the story, but like, I think that's what it is. So you can use that, the, the broke college aspiring entrepreneur. I think you could rip that and use it. But what I'd also recommend is just being truly authentic because it spoke to him because he knew what it was like to be in my shoes. Cause he had been there before. So when he saw that email, he was like, you know, let me just hop on a Skype call with the guy and, and see what he's like. And then he did. And then it turned out that we clicked and then I got the opportunity to go to the event. That is even more amazing. I think that's more, I think that's probably the biggest value bomb that, that I've heard in a very long time. Like, <laughs> that is incredible because one of the things that just started, like the idea started firing in my mind are, the level of people that you meet at a conference are the people that you need to surround yourself with to get to that next level, to to go and, and actually make a dent. And especially when you're young, you have the opportunity to ask things that other people just cannot ask. Like you you just you get away with a lot more stuff when you're young. So if you're like if you're in your teens or you're in your low twenties, that is like a magical ability to go and, and meet these incredible people just to shake hands and meet them and get their business card and stay in touch with them. Plus, plus you got to learn from this person and do some work for them. So you got to see how their business worked and learn the inner workings of that. And then I believe you also said he eventually became your mentor after that. That's like a triple whammy right yeah. there. That's awesome. That is incredible. Dude. So absolutely. And uh, I was just going to add on, like, it is true. Like, so let's just say Mark Cuban, cause everybody knows Mark Cuban, like somebody who's 18 years old literally has a better chance of meeting Mark Cuban and connecting with him than like I do. Like they, they do because like, and 27 may still kind of work. I don't know, but it's like, once you hit 30, that just doesn't work. Like it was, it's like strange, 
You know what I mean? Because it's like once you're 30, it's like, hey, I'm a broke 30-year-old who still, you know, can't figure it out, which can happen. So I'm not judging, but it's just like the sympathy is for the 18 and low 20, like college type person who's trying to figure life out. So if you're young, like you said, leverage that. Like, and you seriously could like probably meet somebody like Mark Cuban. It could definitely happen. So let's now move into how you really started to build your business. Because I believe you said you wrote this book with the idea of eventually going to speak at conferences, but people started reaching out to you asking how you wrote your book first. So Mm -hmm. from that point, how did you grow your business into what it is today? Yeah, great question. So how I did it is, so people started reaching out to me. And then I actually helped like the first 10 people, 15 maybe for free in exchange for testimonial, right? So I helped them for free and then they gave me video testimonials. And I also helped them for free because just, excuse me, just because it worked for me, I didn't actually know if that was proof of concept. Like I didn't know if I could help others achieve the same result. So when I helped these 10 to 15 people for free and they all had similar results as I did, then I was like, okay, like this works. They gave me their testimonials. I hired somebody to build my website and then I turned it into basically coaching packages. So I started out with coaching and then, and this happens with a lot of people. What happens when you do one-on-one coaching is you end up hitting a ceiling. So like you can only one-on-one coach so many people and then like, you just run out of literal hours in the day, like you run out of time. So that went well. I scaled that to as high as I could get it. And then what I actually did is switched over to done for you services. And then I hired employees and then that was able to scale to like the next level where what we did is we'd help them finish their book and then we would just do everything else for them. So I wouldn't coach them. I would just publish and market the book for them, which you can build systems around that and scale to a higher level. And then really the next level uh, to do, which we're in the process of doing is actually doing a course you know, because the course doesn't involve your literal time. So that is scalable to, it's pretty much limitless to scale a course. Um, so either way, that's kind of the process that I went through. And I think each of those steps is necessary for, so for somebody listening, I don't recommend that you skip the coaching step and try to go right to a course. Reason is, is because when you coach that many people, now we've helped over 300 people with their personal books you learn a lot about what your customer likes, doesn't like, like sometimes your worst customers are your best people to learn from, you know? So you have to go through each phase. And then now I'm at a point where I'm like, okay, we've helped so many people. I know exactly what the market wants. Now let me build a course that I know will help them, you know? So that's, that, that was the process. With those first 10 to 15 people, when you were going and getting testimonials, it seems like they were reaching out to you, right? Mm-hmm. But let's say that you're an aspiring entrepreneur, you just started, and you don't really have any proof of what you can do, and you don't have people reaching out to you. You're not an authority figure. You're not positioned to where you're attracting people to you. How would you go out and get those first 10, 15 people 
to work with to then build testimonials around. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's it's actually I think a pretty easy answer, um, and and I think you know what I would do is so first number one for any longevity you have to enjoy what you're doing. So I think you focus on something you enjoy, and then you look into that market and you find what's a big problem in this market, and then after you you so you list things you enjoy look into those markets, things that there's problems in those things that you enjoy doing. And then the third list, it actually would be like this, like three columns. The third list are like, how can I solve these problems? Right? Cause that's really all a business is, is it's, there's a problem and then you have a solution. The solution is value. And then you get paid monetarily in exchange for that value. It, that's business. Like that's the simplest form in explaining it. So if you're just starting out and you're looking for those first people to do free stuff for first, you have to have a solution. And, and to be honest, you could actually reach out to these people even before that. So say if you want to help, uh, I don't know why gardeners are coming up, right? And that's probably not the best example. So let's go with accountants cause that's easy. So if you want to help accountants and you don't, but you don't know how to help them go to LinkedIn, LinkedIn, like type in accountant, all these people are going to pop up reach out to them and ask them if you can hop on a call with them because you're conducting research, right? Or you could start a podcast, say you want to interview them. Everybody wants to be on podcasts. So that's a real easy way. And then in the podcast, ask them questions like, Hey, as an accountant, what's like the thing that you hate doing the most, you know? And as an accountant, like what's like, what are the like tasks that you do over and over and over again that like you feel like take a lot of your time and maybe those could be outsourced and you like start to extract like what are the biggest problems and pain points that accountants are facing. You interview like 15 people and then create a solution to that problem, to the problems. I would just pick one problem out of all of that are listed, create one good solution to it, reach back out to those 15 people that you interviewed and say, Hey, after interviewing you, I realized this was your problem. I created a solution that I'm going to charge for in the future. But because you were willing to come on my show and allow me to talk to you in the beginning, I want to give it to you for free in exchange for a testimonial if you like it. And then do it with those 15 people. And then you have a full page of testimonials. Then start charging for it and you have a business. You know, I thought before you were dropping serious value bonds. But that definitely, uh, definitely matched it. That was awesome. Again, <laughs> yeah. to everybody who's listening, I highly, 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 highly encourage you. Jumbling my words this morning, highly encourage <laughs> you to go back and listen to this a couple times because, like I said before, there are many layers to the value that Tyler's providing right now, and you never know what that one thing that Tyler has been saying, one thing that may stand out on a second or third listen through that could change your life, change your business forever. So I highly encourage you to go back and listen through. So Tyler, we've talked about your past, talked mm -hmm. a lot about what you've been doing, how you've gotten to where you are now, but what is your biggest focus right now in the current moment? Yeah, that's so I have found the podcast. My podcast is fairly new. Um, it's about a year old. So, and I have just found like, I love it so much. So like my honest thing right now is just 
interviewing as many like interesting, successful, like business people as I can and creating relationships with them and really just allowing that to do whatever it's going to do. Like, like I said, you know, interviewing that one woman who tweeted at Gary V that was not planned at all. But here's the thing. If you connect with 30 new people a week, something is bound to happen in the positive, you know? So right now what I'm doing is like my company authors unites growing. So I want to help as many people as possible become successful authors. And I love doing that. My passion just deeply is just connecting with people. So yeah, I'm taking interviews to the next level 30 a week. I don't know anybody else doing that. So that's what my focus is right now is just interviewing people. From interview, from interview host to interview host, how do you book yeah. 30 new people every single week? And, <laughs> and I mean that from how do you vet them? How do you reach out to them? And how do you find the time to do all of those interviews? Yeah. So learning from Tim Ferriss, um, I, I batch, he actually talks about that, like uh, batching. So on Mondays, like today, Mondays and Fridays, I do interviews all day long. Um, some of the, most of them are short. Some of them end up going a little bit longer, but typically my interviews like 15 minutes or so. Um, so sh shorter than this one and how I get them is two main, well, three main ways. So one, every person I interview, after I interview them, I ask them for three referrals of people that they think would be a good fit for the show. So that's just like automatic and most people will like connect me with three new people. So that just is on autopilot. LinkedIn, I do use LinkedIn premium. So I have like unlimited reach outs to people um, on LinkedIn. And then Instagram DMing, works really well too, not just for like, you know, dating, <laughs> um, but for actual like business, like I reach out and here's the thing too, you got to swing for the fences. Like I reach out to people that have millions of followers, like they're huge and nine out of 10 don't respond, but guess what? It only takes like two minutes to DM 10 of them. And then I get one that has 5 million followers that says yes. So Instagram DMing, LinkedIn reach outs, and then asking every person I interview to give me three referrals. That's how I book it all up. You mentioned a little bit earlier, and I know I'm kind of jumping back and forth, but I want to make sure that I ask this. Yeah. You mentioned finding that problem point in different target markets and addressing that problem point by asking people that question, right? So for you, if somebody wanted to earn your business, what would be the biggest obstacle or problem that they could solve for you right now? That is a good question. I like that. Um, hmm. <laughs> so I've been in business for, I'm, I'm going to actually talk this out and try to, and try to think about this. So I've been in business for six years. So I have learned like systems, like my businesses have pretty good systems at this point. Things are pretty dialed in. Um, hmm. I mean, honestly, ugh, this is kind of a cop-out answer because I, I just – with what I'm doing, I have it pretty dialed in. Like I, if I could, I'd interview 60 to 70 people a week, but I don't have the literal time. So if somebody could like 
figure out how to kind of like duplicate my personality in a sense that they almost sound like me. <laughs> and then I could, cause I can get like, I could book 70 people a week. I just don't have the time to do that. So if I could like kind of, they don't have to be me exactly. They could be themselves. But if I can find somebody else that just wants to do interviews for me, I've had an idea for a company where like you train people on how to interview effectively. Cause I think every business should have a podcast and then you pay that company a monthly fee and then they do interviews for you. So I think then I could scale higher. So if somebody wants to do that, like create a company where you literally train interviewers and then people can pay you a monthly fee, probably in the thousands. And then that becomes your podcaster for your business. That would be cool. And then if I could just continuously, if I had like five of them working, I could do like 200 interviews a week and then I'll just interview the whole world. And then everybody's my friend. And then I just can't lose. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the idea. <laughs> That is a great idea, and <laughs> for those who are listening who want to take you up on that offer, how yeah. do they get in contact with you? Yeah, uh, email is probably best, so Tyler at AuthorsUnite.com, that's my uh, business email, and feel free to reach out, and even if it's not that, like I'm happy to answer any questions or, or anything. So we've talked about your past, we've talked about what you're doing right now, um, and then, you know talked about how people can reach out to you in probably the most helpful way um what do you see as the future for you what do you see 5 10 20 years down the road oh yeah so five years i might be able to answer 10 20 i'm not sure things are moving fast in today's world um but five years what i see is my company authors unite having a very, very good like membership course that is very scalable where I just like hop on once a week and I do like Q and A's, but pretty much I'm like fully out business, fully monitoring it. Um, and then I also think more traveling, I'd say I like to travel and then I'd say podcasting, maybe doing longer form podcasts. Cause like, actually I really enjoy this cause you can go a lot deeper than you can in just 15 minutes. So, you know, once authors unite, I have, I don't have to put as much time into it. Then I will have more time and then I could do longer form interviews like Joe Rogan style. That would be fun. So five years, I kind of see that being something like that. So I, I very much appreciate your time today, and it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Um, I have a few more questions for you, and then uh, then, then we can wrap up. Um, yeah. What are you the most afraid of? Afraid of? Oh, I'm working on it, but I'm kind of afraid of death, <laughs> to be honest. Like, I, I really like living. Like, I really enjoy this earth. <laughs> like I'm just, I, ha I really, yeah, I like what's happening. So I don't want to die. So sometimes I overthink that and I've had like anxiety attacks and stuff. And, um, so I'm working on that. I'm afraid of death. When I think about the most successful people in history, I think about those who have had a theory and they've worked to prove that theory. They work to bring that to life. What is your greatest theory? Um, hmm. 
I, I mean, my theory is like, if you, if you just, if you create relationships with as many people as possible, like it, it's, it's almost at a point for me where it's like, in reality, I almost don't even need money. Like, cause I have friends everywhere that are true, authentic relationships. So like if I travel to Australia, I got like 30 people that will put me up in their house and I've never even, you know what I mean? So it's like, my theory is almost, if you just, if you're on, if you're that 51, 49, you create relationships with as many people as possible, things will kind of naturally take care of themselves. And it depends on what your goals are. Like that is, that's all in play. But I just mean, I think relationships are an essential part to happiness and to success. What does work-life balance mean to you? I think it's different for everyone. For me, it doesn't really exist right now. I really like working. So I'm like 90, 10, if you will, work life. But I also jump out of bed every morning and love what I'm doing. So I would say... If you don't like what you're doing as a job, which some of us have to do that to pay the bills, totally get it, then you should probably figure out a balance. But if you love what you do as work, I don't really think a balance needs to be struck, you know? So that's what I'd say. How do you define wealth? Mm. Relationships and freedom. Freedom to do whatever you want. Yeah, freedom to do whatever you want. So again, Tyler, I want to thank you so much for uh, for coming on the interview today. Uh, I have three more questions for you, and then, mm-hmm. then then we'll wrap up. The first is we've been talking a lot about business. I love this. I can't get enough of it. But I also want to get to know you more as a human, as a person, right? So in all the things that we've been talking about, what's been going on in your personal life this whole time? Yeah, I like that. Okay. So personal life. Um, I kind of have a girlfriend. (laughs) So that's cool. I'm like, the thing is, is I'm so involved in work that I even tell any girl that I ever get involved in with, (laughs) I tell her (laughs) that was a mess up. (laughs) Any girl that I, you can keep that though. It's funny. Any girl I ever get involved with, I'm very upfront with her. And I say like, listen, if we want to like try this out, just know that at this point in my life, business is over everything. That's just the way it is for me right now. It's, it's what I'm choosing. So I'd say, you know, there's a, there's a girl newly in my life. Um, I'm about to go travel and speak at some events and also I have a friend's, uh, bachelor party in Atlantic city and then a wedding, um, not my wedding, his wedding. Um, and yeah, like family is really important to me. Like, you know, so my, I'll get to see my mom, dad, and my little brother. So yeah, personal life, everything's, everything's good. It's on the up and up. What is the most I'm sorry. I'm going to actually ask you four questions. I'm going to throw one in there, one extra one in there, if that's cool with you. Um, what makes you smile the most? What makes me smile the most? Seeing, ooh, okay, two things. One is making other people laugh. I'm definitely like an aspiring comedian. Um, I just, I think it would be fun. I like to make other people laugh. And then also just seeing other people truly enjoy, you know, who they are and what they do. Cause I think there's a lot of people that are un unhappy in the world. And at the end of the day, like, 
I just think the fact that you're even alive is like a freaking miracle. So I just, yeah, when I get to see other people experiencing happiness, that makes me happy. Two more questions. Mm -hmm. First, is there anything about yourself that you think is an important part of who you are that we did not cover today? In other words, what did I miss? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I'd say like, no, I don't think so. One thing I'd emphasize though, because this question was actually asked to me, it was asked a little differently at a conference. And, and one thing I said is like, I truly care. And what I mean by that is like, when you, whether it's about your business or whatever it is, if you truly care about what you're doing, if you truly care about your clients, it's very recognizable. So I think like part of the reason why I've been able to achieve the heights that I've achieved is because I actually deep down, like in my core, I literally like care so much. So I just, I feel like emphasizing that for the reason that for others listening, if you can find those things that make you feel that you're on a good path, um, is what I'd say. So final question for you. Um, and this one's a little bit of a selfish question, so I appreciate okay. uh, you humoring me here. Um, I'm 24, <laughs> right? I have a couple different businesses. I have this show that I, that I host. Um, what question should I be asking you that I wouldn't think to ask? Mm. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> what questions should I be asking you that I wouldn't think to ask? Um, hmm. Damn, man. You may stump me on the last one. That's You asked a lot of good questions, man. I'd even say you're a better interviewer than myself. Um, I really do think so. <laughs> so, like, that was... I mean, you really did cover pretty much everything. I'd say maybe... Uh, not even in the interview, but what I'd recommend doing is what I do after the interviews and ask like the questions of like, how can I best support you? And then second is like, do you know anybody else that would be a good fit for my show? Because what that turns into is like, now it's almost like I almost don't need the LinkedIn or the DMs anymore because it's just a snowball effect. You know what I mean? Like if I interview 10 people, I get 30 more. You know, so I would recommend having some process or system in place afterward that you can stay connected with the people you interview. That's what I'd say. Well, Tyler, thank you so much for coming on the interview today. It has truly been an honor to uh, to speak with you and, and spend this time with you, share this time with you. And, uh, you know, I want to thank you so much. And to everybody who's listening, um, I want to thank you all so very much. Uh, you all are the reason that we do this. And, uh, you know, I love you guys so, so much, and I can't thank you enough for supporting the show and for uh, you know, staying tuned the, the whole way. And, um, you know, I, I love you guys. So thank you so much. Tyler, you want to wrap us up? Yeah, man. Dude, thanks for having me on. It was fun. And, and like I said before, amazing uh, questions. This was a great interview. Thank you very much. So everybody, remember, this is Project Egg, where we interview entrepreneurs so that you can build a business Create your dream life so that in the end, we can all live in a better world together. Take care now.